is lover, beloved, and love overflowing. Amen. Today marks the start of Lent, this 40-day season of penitence and prayer in Christian tradition. Penitence and prayer are important parts of Christian tradition and of many religions, alongside their counterparts of joy, celebration, gratitude. These seasons of Lent and Advent as well offer these set-apart communal times for purification, repentance, and return. These habits that are a foundational need of the human spirit and of our lives with God. And just as Advent culminates in and prepares for God's incarnation at Christmas, Lent culminates in and prepares for witnessing Christ's passion and resurrection in Holy Week and Easter. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, but I think it's valuable to keep in mind where we're going in maintaining a sacred intention in Lent. Throughout the season, we seek to draw nearer to God, but what kind of God? What are the qualities that we're reaching for? that we're asking for, that we're seeking to manifest. Because the arc of Lent moves to Easter, we particularly seek a God who demonstrates qualities of truthfulness, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and, of course, sacrifice, for the well-being of others. In our prayers throughout this season and, and truly all year, we can ask for the grace of these qualities to meet our own needs of our own hearts and lives in the grace of these qualities. And we can seek to cultivate them in, in how we live in the generosity and availability and uprightness through which we live. And we can seek guidance from the Holy Spirit in implementing these qualities in the world. And we remember, of course, this movement towards the passion that we're praying to a God who is merciful and compassionate, but also one who walks beside us in the Christian story as we remember it, who walks beside us in the joys and challenges and struggles of life. Today's liturgy and scripture invite us to a penitential Lent, to a holy Lent. We hear these two words over and over again. I'd like to reflect on the word penitence and how it can serve as our guide during this season. Penitence and repentance are synonyms for the action of feeling or showing sorrow and regret for having done wrong. These words are kind of like maybe a little intense in, our, in today's culture. They've accumulated a lot around them. Um, but if we can put that aside, it's healthy and appropriate to repent to God and, and to others. Speaking words of repentance out loud in prayer and, and in our actual relationships 
It creates a space of honesty. It enables us to hold our grief, our guilt, our disappointment cleanly, to hold it cleanly and in the light. It enables us to move forward. Repentance is something we all need to do from time to time in our own lives and as a society. Our scripture readings today offer four examples of different types of repentance. The words of the prophet Joel call for repentance and return for a society that has strayed far from its intention of ethical and compassionate behavior. It might be hard to imagine in our contemporary time what societal repentance might look like. We're so desperately in need of it, yet it can be almost impossible to imagine that happening on the public sphere and on the national sphere. In Joel's time, it has some features similar to our own. He was living in a society where wealth inequality had ballooned, and those who received the most seemed to care little for those who suffered under unjust systems. And in this passage, we have Joel is calling for communal repentance, yet doing so with a promise or a hope that mercy is available for those who repent and acknowledge their wrongdoing and seek to return to God's grace. His passage leaves me wondering what communal repentance might look like for our society. I don't know, but perhaps this is something we can dream together. Today's psalm, uh, as a counterpoint, is an example of what Joel is calling for. This psalm is actually believed to have been composed by King David after the prophet Nathan, another prophet, calls out King David's unethical leadership. David's words were composed so long ago, yet their heartfelt nature makes them one of the most beloved psalms to this day. Who among us does not, from time to time, feel these words deeply, if you'll allow me to, to read a few lines? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The Psalms are a joint heritage of both Jewish and Christian traditions, and many communities retain a practice of praying one or several Psalms every day. If this is a practice that you feel like trying on during Lent, I certainly commend it to you. The Psalms portray the vast range of emotion and longing in our lives with God. Words like penitence and confession and repentance may feel scary, but again, if we take off that layer of social conditioning, um, they're really our gateway to being honest and clean. 
because we all accumulate gunk in our hearts. We all build up some amount of resentment, frustration, or anxiety or despair, or other leanings of heart and mind that get in the way of living peaceably with ourselves, with God, with our neighbors. And we start to overcompensate in one way or another that if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't actually enjoy. Repenting and returning can feel like a huge task. Facing what's built up, it can make us cry. The weight of regret or all that's left undone in our lives. Yet, not doing it leaves a greater burden. Because this need is just so central to who we are as humans and to people of faith, we have these periodic times of intentionality built in to the church year. And these times of communal support, the support of others, the support of a worshiping community that can help us move through the arc of purification. Turning briefly to today's gospel passage, this passage and, and truly all of Jesus' teachings offer guidance, specific guidance, on repentance and living with a clean and holy spirit. Just a few qualities that I see in this passage. Jesus speaks of living with generosity. He speaks of holding our prayer life quietly and with dignity, honoring it as something precious and personal, something we need. He speaks of humility, and he speaks of honesty before God with what we do with our time our money, our attention, our thoughts. Self-reflection isn't a new project. It's not just sort of a modern self-help thing. This is an ancient practice and, and truly a necessity. Honestly, looking at all these parts of our lives can be uncomfortable and confronting, but it's so worth it. Taking up a daily prayer practice is one of the most helpful things we can actually do in this effort. Daily prayer is a set-aside time for honesty and quiet with ourselves and with God. It can be difficult at times to, to make the time amidst all the demands of our lives. Yet doing so is a commitment to our personal growth, spiritual growth, purification, and the inner reflection that helps us be more honest and peaceful and loving with our families, our neighbors, those we work with, those around us. Here in this church, we offer several peer-led groups throughout Lent. These groups are spaces to practice meeting God in honesty and truth with peer support especially as sometimes the contents of our hearts and prayers can be difficult. Our peer groups this year include morning and evening prayer, spiritual journaling, spiritual reading, contemplative prayer, and a half-day retreat. Each of these are accessible spaces to reflect, pray, and grow in the support of community. They're accessible whether you've prayed a lot in your life or prayed just a little. 
And perhaps your Lenten intention and commitment is personal and private, and that's okay. Please know that even so, you have the blessings and support of this community. Our Christian faith and commitment is that in our journey through life, we're never alone. We walk with God whether or not we can see or feel God's presence. And we walk with a great cloud of witnesses, seeking greater love, truth, and harmony in this world and beyond. The imposition of ashes that we do a little later in the service marks the beginning of this commitment, of our commitment to this Lenten journey. These ashes, this beautifully earthy symbol, invite us to consider our mortality, to value our time, to value our loved ones, and everyone we meet who is truly just as mortal as we are. Mortality shouldn't be a bummer, but it actually can be uplifting, even, even freeing. It can enable us to seek even more to live with a clean heart, a heart open and available to the world. Because we truly do not know how much time any of us has. If maintaining this intentionality gets difficult at some time during these 40 days, take heart. Lent is different than personally committing to a practice at some other time of year, because it's done communally. Here and also in communion with millions of Christians in New York and around the world. The work we do in our own hearts and relationships actually lifts up the collective. We rise together. We might stumble. We might forget our intention. Get distracted or tired or overwhelmed by life's many responsibilities. We might reach for the same old comforts and distractions, but maybe they just don't feel so good anymore. And that helps us actually recommit to our new choices. We can actually mutually support one another to choose that which increases our spiritual freedom and release that which holds us in bondage. Through practicing the nearness of God, we might grow in generosity, peace, and love. And may that love increase in us such that by the time the new light dawns on Easter, our faces and our hearts are illuminated with the light of heavenly love. Amen.